Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. If you got your Bible today, uh, 2 Kings, I want to talk to you again. This is kind of a, so it's kind of a message I feel like is for today, but it's for the future. And uh, again, I, it's bigger than just us here and now. Um, and if you have your Bible today, you can go to 2 Kings chapter uh, 2, is where we're going to read. I'm going to read four verses about a guy named Elisha. Elisha was the uh, predecessor, or excuse me, the, the successor of Elijah. He did twice as many miracles as the guy before him, was a mighty prophet in the time of prophets. And essentially what we read here in the story is one of his very first mighty miracles was found in what we're going to read here in chapter 2, starting in verse 19. It says, Then the men of the city of Jericho came and said to Elisha, Please notice this. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to just give you my, I'm going to give my title before I get started. I want to talk to you today about hydrating cities. Hydrating cities. Kind of an unusual title, I promise. I know. Sorry. It's what God told me to talk about today. And I really feel like this is a word, not please before you tune out, this is going to be a word for hydrating your life too. Um, but I want to talk about hydrating cities. So what, no, watch what happens here. They come to Jericho. The men of the city, it was actually the school of the prophets in that particular region, said this to Elisha, to this mighty man of God, this follower of God. And he said, hey, please notice the situation of, or- or of this city, yeah. of San Juan Capistrano. Please notice the condition of this place. Yeah. Today, um, sorry, I'm going to get into this, I promise. I really feel like more than just a message to preach, this is, I believe, a prophetic word for our church. And I even believe it's a now word for your life. And so watch what they say. Notice this about this particular place. That the city is good. It's pleasant. It's beautiful. Jericho was a lavish land with vineyards, with beautiful orchards. It was in a plain. It was very fruitful. And he said, notice, they said, look, this is a beautiful city. It's pleasant, as you can see. But it goes on, but there's a but. Come on, how many know the but's important? But the water, the water is bad. And the ground is barren. The city's beautiful, but the water's bad. And the ground is barren. And he said to him, this is what Elijah's response was, bring me a new bowl. Say with me, new bowl. And when you bring the new bowl, bring something, put it in. I don't want oregano or pepper. I need some salt. Put some salt in the new bowl. And they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source. He went to the source of the water. And he cast the salt there into the source. And when he put the water practically into the source, he said this, Thus saith the Lord, thus says God, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death, no more barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. One more verse. Are you ready with me? Proverbs, I think it's chapter 23, I think, verse uh, 25. Is that right? Proverbs 23, verse 25. It says this. We all know the passage. It goes on to say, uh, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. One, one translation says, he who blesses others will be enriched. But it goes on, he who waters others will himself be watered. He who waters others will himself be watered or refreshed. And I know, I know Thanksgiving, I know Christmas can be a hard time of the year for people because it reminds you maybe of what you lost. It can remind you what you've never had. 
You could compare yourself to all the Hallmark families and go, why don't I have the life that they have? But I want you to know that even in this season, whether you have a good family or you don't, you have a good life, or maybe you feel like you don't, that there is a reason today why we can all leave this place collectively refreshed. And I want to talk to you today. I think the number one reason why suicide, depression run rampant today is because we live in a day and an age that everyone is trying to refresh only themselves. It says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And if you have your Bibles this morning and you're okay, take some notes. Uh, if you're taking notes this morning, I want to talk to you about hydrating, hydrating cities. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be my favorite church, my favorite people. God, if I didn't pastor this church, I would go to it. I love these people. I love this land. I love this city. I love the region that you called us to pastor in. And I ask you, Lord, today that this would be a fun Sunday, a special Sunday. I pray it would be a powerful Sunday. I pray those that need healing would get healing in their bodies. I pray those that need a touch from God would be touched by you. And I just thank you that it'd be awesome today. We thank you for what you've done in the Lakers and what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name. Come on, all the Christians said amen. Amen. One of the best teams in the league. Look what the Lord has done. Come on. If you've been here since the beginning of our church, I started praying for the Lakers the first Sunday I spoke. At that point, LeBron James and AD were not with the Lakers. They were one of the worst teams in the league. And since Ocean's Church... Give the, come on, it's not me, it's the Lord. Come on. But I just want to thank the Lord for what he's done. Do you have season tickets to the Lakers? Talk to me after service. I, uh, I fell in love with my wife. Uh, I was pretty young. We, we fell in love. I remember uh, before I actually fell in love with Rochelle, uh, I had a Bible professor in college say, you know what you need to do as a single man is if you're single, you should pray about the type of person you want to marry. He said, be specific. I said, I can do that. Sort of praying for the type of woman I wanted to marry, personality, come on, eyes, hair. Started, I prayed for everything. And I remember one of the things that uh, I, I, I remember even literally praying. I'm like, I met Rochelle. She was one of the leaders in the church. And I just, honestly, I had a crush on her. I was a bit of a stalker. Uh, we actually didn't start talking until she lifted the restraining order. Um, but uh, I, remember, I remember praying this prayer like, Lord, I want to marry someone like Rochelle. Had no idea. I thought I was going to get the Steve Madden version. That was a targeted joke. Um, but God gave me, come on, Gucci instead. Come on. And uh, very grateful for the kindness of God. But I remember praying. I, I always kind of made fun of families that like to run. I was never, I, I didn't like running growing up. The only reason I exercised growing up was so I could fit in my car. Come on. Is uh, wanted to be able to wear a seatbelt. I ran so I could eat. And I loved eating. I was, I was like, was pretty, uh, I was, I, my, I had two really skinny, tall brothers. Uh, they, they couldn't get wet if they ran around the shower. Come on. Um, but they call me, my, my brothers teased me a lot growing up. And uh, so I remember, I, I just, I didn't like to run. But I started running, started liking running. But I always asked the Lord, I'm like, God, I don't want to marry into a family that runs 5Ks on Thanksgiving Day. I just don't want to be a part of that family. But I'm married into that family. My wife loves to run. We've talked about doing like a half marathon. I'm like, that just sounds demonic. I don't know if you've ever met someone that's ran a marathon, like the New York Marathon. You know if you've met someone because they'll tell you. People that run marathons, usually uh, 
Marathon runners are using the same criteria as vegans and CrossFitters. They tell you their name followed by, my name's Bruce, I CrossFit, I've ran a marathon, and I'm a vegan. It comes out in the first sentence. That's not Bruce in our church, though. Thank God. I always wondered why people ran marathons. I actually think marathons were invented by people that it was, it was, it was basically, it was, a, it was a posse scheme. It was. It's like this scheme that actually, it, it actually, can you think about this? Someone sat around and says, we're going to find a way to actually charge humans to put a prison number on their chest. We're going to have someone hold a gun in the air. And then we're going to shoot the gun. A crowd is going to leave. And as they leave, we're going to count the $100 bills they gave us to run. It's one of the greatest business schemes ever created. 26 miles? Not today, devil. I just, I have no desire to run a marathon. I think running a marathon, I think the only thing worse than running a marathon maybe would be watching someone run a marathon. You ever watch like TV, they have the New York Marathon on, it's like, this, it's like watching fishing. You know you're bored if you're watching someone fish. Now watching on TV, the only worse than watching on TV is watching it live. You actually, imagine this, you're in New York City, you're in a crowd of a million people, and you're standing there doing this. No shooting, no touchdowns, no goals, just this. Watching people run at marathons is the only time you ever do something like that. You never go to 24-hour fitness, walk over to the treadmills. I could go on. I got to stop. I want you to know, the, 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 only, the only, like, productive person at the New York Marathon is the guys that are passing out waters. Yeah. At least they have a job. Yeah. They're not just standing there watching people run. They're actually giving people drinks as they run. Yeah. And I had this picture about, about this, I was praying this week, and I, I had this picture about people that live significant lives are like, are like water carriers. They're like people that don't live just to, to run their own little race. They actually champion those that are running around them. I had this, almost like this prophetic picture about how good it is when you're running to actually taste clean water. Come on, someone say this with clean water. I was watching the news and God began to speak to me about the spill. There was a spill in Laguna Beach, many of you know. And it's amazing, I read this, November 28th, a 24-inch valve broke in a pipe. And listen, a 24-inch valve released 1.4 million gallons of sewage into the ocean. Sorry for the bad news. Only bad news of the day. And went into the ocean. It's crazy that a little 24-inch leak contaminated 42 miles of coastline. God began to speak to me about water. I, was, I couldn't, couldn't shake it. It took me this obscure passage in 2 Kings. And he talked about how good, clean water is in your life, but how toxic and how dangerous it is when there is sewage leaks in the water sources of your life. And I believe, again, this is a natural picture of what's happening, I think, spiritually in Orange County. I believe there's actually sewage leaks underneath the surface of our lives. I believe if we're not intentional, it's actually doing the exact thing that's happening in 2 Kings chapter 2. Are you with me today? It's crazy because we find in the story that it's just like Orange County. 
that this mighty man of God comes in, and the people go, hey, welcome to Orange County. Disneyland's 40 minutes away, 30 minutes away. Welcome to Orange County, home of the prettiest beaches, the nicest houses, some of the greatest careers, some of the greatest entities, some of the greatest brands headquartered here. Welcome to the promised land. It's a good land. It's beautiful. Orchards, vineyards, fruit, oranges. Come on. It's good. But they go on to say, but the problem is, even though it's beautiful externally, what you can't see is that the thing that everyone is drinking is actually bad. What everybody in Orange County is crazy. It's like the more success we get, the emptier we become. I don't know why, but it's like I drank the American dream. I, I went after, I pursued all the dreams of my heart. I got the job that I wanted, the spouse that I wanted, the cars that I wanted. I got everything that I ever wanted to drink. But for some reason, like salt water, the more I drink, the faster I seem to die. How can you, how can you, you, you get the job you've always wanted and be empty? How do people get the homes they always wanted and still feel like something's missing? And I'm not against stuff. I'm not against blessing, favor, careers, or houses. But what I did feel like the Lord really prompted on me strongly this week is that there's something about this passage that's true of Orange County, that the land is good, but there's something underneath the surface that's bad. People are addicted to all types of vices, narcotics, alcoholism, you, you name it. People are addicted to fear and phobias and people that have everything monetarily, yet they're prisoners of fear in their lives. And I believe Jesus said it's not, that what, it's not what goes uh, out of a man or what goes into a man, it's what comes out of a man that makes him impure. Something about what God puts in you and out of you. I, I love this passage because it goes on to say that they say the land is good, but the water is bad. Now, the water actually being bad, it literally means misery, evil, sad, or unhappy. Kind of sounds a little bit, doesn't it? How do you live somewhere that's so blessed and so many people are unhappy? How do we have, I mean, come on, how do we have, why? How can we have everything and still not be satisfied? It says that when the water's bad, it won't just, it won't just create a dissatisfaction in your life. It'll go beyond that. It'll actually make the areas of your life that are supposed to be productive and fruitful barren. The word barren is actually the word for miscarry. And actually, Josephus, uh, early historian, actually documented that in this day and age, they have proof that when the women and the people drank the water of this particular fountain, that not only would they miscarry their kids, but the animals, the cattle would miscarry as well. And I believe many people in Orange County are miscarrying the, the dreams of God. That God has a destiny for many of you. You're gifted. You're talented. I mean, I've met some of the smartest, some of the most, uh, some of the most amazing people I've ever met in Orange County that have this type of destiny. But every time they get to about here, they abort. It's like the things that they wanted to give birth to never materialize because the water in their life is bad. Something's not healthy in my life. And, and it's interesting that this little 24-inch sewage leak had the power to contaminate an entire ocean of water. I started studying this last night because I get weird studies on Saturday nights. Usually end up on YouTube. Don't judge. But I noticed this, that when I studied how sewage affects ocean waters, and what I found was is that when there's too much sewage in the water, that it actually it'll attack the oxygen in the water that when there's too much toxins in the water of, of the ocean, that it'll actually deplete 
uh, it, when, it de when, when the sewage decomposes, it actually dries the oxygen out of the water. It's crazy, right? That fish would go on to die, not because there's not air in the water, but because the sewage has suffocated the air. How many people should have life, should be productive, should, should have joy for you, but I can be honest for me. You ever been there before? You're like, man, this area of my life is so good. Like, I love this part of my life. But there's a stupid sewage leak. My anger flares up. <laughs> I lose my cool. Say something I'm going to regret. Do something. Come on. Re respond to something in an ungodly way. And like this little dumb sewage leak is actually sucking the oxygen out of my life. Small sewage leaks, not only do they, they deplete oxygen, the second thing they do is sewage leaks, actually, they, they reproduce disease. I believe many people have dreams that aren't materializing because of the oxygen deficiency or because of disease in their life. I mean disease. I mean like there's diseases that latch onto us that we name as pets instead of evicting as robbers. This is the condition of many people. Let's name a pet. That's my alcoholism pet. That's my, that's my, come on, that's my Vicodin pet. That's, look, everyone in my family gets divorced pet. Everyone in my family, everyone in my family lies. Everyone in my family cheats. Let's stop naming pets. Let's start evicting imposters. Amen? That fear is not mine. Listen to me. Not every thought that goes through your skull belongs to you. It says in the Bible that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And the problem with most Americans is we believe everything that goes through our head. Well, I thought it must belong to me. You know how crazy that is? I woke up every day for 18 years, and my thought was, I don't want to go to school. But for some reason, I had enough maturity to realize that this thought is not going to lead me to a desired destination. This is crazy because the, the, water, the water is bad. It's unhappy. The ground is unfruitful. It's barren. And it's interesting that, that the treatment that Elisha, that this, this follower of God had for bad water, for a barren land, was really simply, I have a treatment plan for you. Number one, first treatment, if you're taking notes, you write this down. First thing you got to do if you want to treat the bad water in your life, the bad water in your marriage, the uh, barren, barren land of your, of your family, the first thing you do if you want to see change in your circumstances is you got to let God give you a new bowl. A new bowl. Can I get a good amen? You know what a new bowl is? It's a new system. It's a new structure. Listen, he didn't say reinvent a bowl. He just said, I need a new bowl. I didn't come down here to do church, to, to do something that no one's ever done before. I just came down here to be a church that's never, I want to I be a fresh expression of church. I believe that oceans will be a new bowl. You know what God's bowls do is they actually facilitate salt. You want to change a city, you've got to have a bowl that's healthy enough, new enough. The word new actually is a Hebrew word, kadash, that literally means new, fresh, fresh, new thing, or fresh. You know what God wants to do whenever he wants to change something that's dirty, corrupted, miserable, or barren? Is he says, you know what I need to do first? I need to do something fresh in your life. Some are like, well, I'm not going to, I don't hear God today. I've been to church before. You know, you can... You can leave here the exact same way you came in if you want to hold on to your old beliefs about God. Or you can let God begin to peel the layers of disbelief off of your heart by saying, God, I guess I don't have everything figured out. And if you want to do something fresh, if you want to do something new, if you want to use a young preacher wearing his white jeans and a biker jacket, come on. 
if you want to speak to me in this environment, guess what, God? I am open to something new. I'm open to something fresh. And I believe that one of the reasons why we're in Orange County is to be a new bowl. He says, we're going to treat this, we're going to treat the problem here. We're going we're gonna to get a new bowl that needs to be constructed. We're going to build a new bowl. I want to thank every person that financially gave so that we could build a new bowl in this building. I want you to know there's something meaningful about giving even your resources into building or constructing something new for God. Building a new bowl. He says, not only will it be a new bowl, I want you to put salt in the bowl. Salt historically in the Bible, someone say preserves. It disinfects. It seasons. Metaphorically, it, it represents fidelity, usefulness. Check this out. Purification. Scholars say this is a bit of a miracle within a miracle. What do you mean? Is that you don't treat water that's dirty with salt. We know that. But for some reason, God wanted to do something naturally and that represented something spiritually. You don't use natural salt to purify water. But God did in this situation. I believe in the Bible it talks about we are the salt of the earth. Do you know you change contaminated water in a city? Here's how you change it. How do you change it in your life? Three points, and I'm going to land the plane, and God's going to do something powerful. If you believe it, come on, say amen. For three points is the first thing is he says this. He goes, if you want to, if you want to have action, you want, to, you want to change the bad condition of the water. You want to attack the barrenness in your life, in your land, in your family. First thing we got to do is, what does Elijah say? He says, I want you to go to the source. I think too many times we don't invite God to the heart of the problem. We don't. We say things like, well, I, I just, I slipped up again. I, I did this, I said that again. I watched that again. I went there again. I, I, I talked to them again. I, I did something I shouldn't have done. I cut a corner again. But I actually believe this, that if you keep pulling the fruit off the branches, the fruit will continue to grow back because what did Elisha do? He went to the source of the bad, unhealthy, evil water. He went to the source. I can look back at my life, and I know that some of the worst vices in my life I actually acquired when I was seven years old when my parents went through the divorce. Many times, the, the darkest moments of our life are the, more, the points of our life that we welcome the darkest habits into our life. It's a little quiet in the Presbyterian church. I'm going to try preaching over here a little bit. I actually believe that many people, they just keep on trying to deal with the fruit of their problem, and they never let invite God to the root of it. Why are you medicating yourself? Why are you scared of crowds? Why do you think you have panic? Why do you, why do you, why do you feel like life is out of control? Why do you feel like a victim of all, your own reality? I actually believe that what Elijah says is so profound. He says, you know what we're going to do? We need a new bowl. We need God to do something fresh in our life. And when God does something fresh in our life, I'm going to invite God's freshness to the source of my problems. Long ago, I learned this, that God can heal me everywhere that I hurt. But oftentimes when we hurt, we don't want to invite God to the area of our pain. We just try to cover it up. Out of sight, out of mind. But I love Elijah because he says, you know what we're going to do? Is we're going to salt the source. You know what he did? He salted the source. The first thing he did is he went to, where the, he went to the source. And I love this. Is, uh, the second thing he did is he made a decision that I'm going to salt the source. This is God's ability to purify the heart of our problems. You know what God wants to do today? I really believe this. I believe God wants to use Orange County, or excuse me, Ocean's Church, to actually salt the, uh, the bitterness of the heart of the problem in Orange County. 
One scholar said it this way, the heart of the human problem is the, hu- is the problem of the human heart. Yeah. Let me say it better so you can tweet it. Is that all right? <laughs> the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. We have to invite God's salt, his light, his, his preserving power into the heart of our problems. God, I'm hurting here. I invite you in here. And I love this. Not only did they invite him to salt the source, but the third thing that they did, this is so powerful, and the band can come up here, I'm almost finished today, is they treated the water by new bowls, by salt. They invited God to the source of the problem. They brought salt to the source of the problem. I want you to know, I believe that God is assembling Ocean's Church in such a profound way. You know what it says in the Bible? Don't forsake the assembling. Assembling. You know what's crazy about the assembling the saints? It doesn't say, don't forsake getting together with other believers. It says, don't forsake the assembly. Let's just say hypothetically I was a mechanic, which I'm not. Hardly know what a wrench is. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Just love the Lord. But let's just say I was a mechanic. I like muscle cars. My dad has a 1970 convertible Hamakuda, it's pretty awesome. But let's just say I love I loved muscle cars and I do. And I invited you over to look at my car and you walked into my garage and wa- when you walked in, you saw tires in the corner, you saw, you saw a chassis on a, on a lift, you saw fenders on the wall and everything that the car needed was in the garage. It was together there, but it wasn't assembled. You know what God does in healthy churches? is he puts salt in the bowl in such a way that it actually assembles us together. Ezekiel 37, what does it say? It says that God said, speak to the bones. And when the breath came into the bones, you know what it did? It's put bone to bone, it put sinew to sinew. It started putting the pieces of the body together. You know, we're going to be here at Ocean's Church. We're going to let God make us salt that actually softens the, uh, the water <laughs> of Orange County. I fundamentally believe that a church that welcomes the presence of God is a church that has the power to actually remove the toxins of the city. You show me an unhealthy city, I'll show you unhealthy churches. You show me healthy cities, I'll show you at the center of every healthy city churches that love God fearlessly, churches that stand and declare this book boldly, believers that aren't compromising, and people that welcome the power of the Spirit of God. Come on, if I can't get a Pentecostal hand clap, I'll take a Baptist head nod. I'll take a Presbyterian eyebrow raise. A Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on. He's here. Fired up. You know what he had to do, though? Is I love this. This is a picture of Ocean's Church. You know what he did? He said, hey, you want change? Let's do two things. Practically, give me a bowl, give me salt. Practically. But spiritually, after I get the salt, get the bowl, I'm going to pour it in. That's practical, but here's when we get spiritual. We're going to declare the Word of God. You want to change the water of your life? Let me give you a really, really, really awesome secret. you got to get your words in agreement with God's. Elijah says this way. He says, thus is what, this is what God says. He went on. He said, this is what God has to say. I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death. From it fear, free from lust. Free from anger. I think there's things that you should do. Get rid of your computer in your bedroom. Get rid of, you know, get rid of opportunities to, to cut corners. Get, be honest. Get an accountability partner. There's practical steps. Go to an AA meeting. Go, come on, get involved in a treatment. There's practical things, but make no mistake about it, there is a spiritual part of life as well. It's so funny that we're like, well, it's practical totally, but spiritual, that's weird. 
Listen, Jack Hayford said years ago, he said something very powerful. He said, you cannot, you cannot cast out the flesh and you cannot disciple demons. You can't. You can't, you can't cast out your dark nature. All of us have a sin nature. Unfortunately, it doesn't just go away. I don't care how long you serve God. There's always going to be weird thoughts that pop through your head that don't belong to you. So don't name them. Can I get an amen? There's going to be a flesh nature. You know what you do to the flesh? You disciple it. I'm going to disciple my flesh nature. Guess what? Mark, no, you're not, you don't think like that anymore. You've been crucified with Christ. You've been bought at a price. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ that lives in you. The life you're going to live today, you're going to live by faith. In the Son of God who loved you, gave himself for you. I will disciple my flesh nature. But there are some dark things. Some of you, you feel it. I can feel it in the room right now. Some of you have darkness in your family. Generationals. Some of your family were into the occult. Satanism, some were like Masons and Freemasons, and some of you went to psychics and tarot readers, and you, you've opened yourself up to some dark stuff, and I'm not scared of it today because it's a second-class power. I'm not going to be stupid, though, and ignore that you didn't open yourself up to something dark. Mediums, trying to chant, trying to channel spirits. I want you to be, I'm going to be very honest today in this church, that there is darkness that is real in this world, but the... But if you acknowledge that there is darkness, you have to acknowledge there is light. It's so funny to me. Do you believe in heaven? Yes. Do you believe in hell? No. You can't acknowledge one without the other. So uh, people are here today like, well, I, I opened myself up to some dark stuff. What do you do? Is you have to actually invite God. And you do it by actually getting your words in agreement with God's words. Hey, God, my life's pretty good. I got a beautiful spouse. I got awesome kids. I got a great life. But if I'm being really honest, the water of my soul is not good. And if I'm being really honest, I'm not being productive in the areas I should be productive in because of the quality of the water of my soul. So what I need you to do, God, I'm going to invite you to the heart of my problem. I'm going to invite you to heal me everywhere that I'm hurting. Some of you went through tragedy, trauma, trials. Some of you went through, man, unimaginable pain and I'm not trying to be unsympathetic today to it but what I am trying to tell you is there is a God in heaven that if you call on him will actually answer you he's a God that he actually comforts those that are mourning he's a God that actually can help you get through any season any trial some of you say Mark if God was so good why does he let bad things happen part of the love of God is the ability to give us free choices because if God made our choices for us it wouldn't be real love Free will, the opportunity to make bad choices, is evidence of God's goodness. Today, I feel like this is so powerful. What did Elisha do? He said, hey, I'm going to speak what God speaks over this water. Hey, water, in Jesus' name, no longer is addictions welcome in my family. Hey, water, in Jesus' name, I know everyone else in my family was an alcoholic, but in Jesus' name, when I believe in God, there is a new bloodline represented. I'm no longer under the blood of my mom and my dad and their vices. I now, will, I now take on the name and the nature of the God that saved me. I believe this, that it's the blood of God that actually washes our spirit, but it's the word of God that washes our minds. How do you get, how do you get in a room with God? Are you still with me today? A couple more minutes. I'm almost done. How do you get water refreshed in your life? Great question. I close with these three simple thoughts. We get water in our soul, in our mind, in our spirit that's healthy 
by three things. The Bible refers uh, to itself, to the Bible, and to God. Three ways. It says if you want to change your life, you got to get daily, number one, bread. I believe you change the water of your life when you change your thoughts. I believe you can't always control what you, uh, what you do. It's hard at times to make decisions, you know, but you can't control what you think about. So what do you do? He says in Matthew 6, this day, give me my daily, daily bread. You know what I've learned is that you can live without bread for about 40 to 80 days. You can live without food. But that's why the Bible is like bread. Because you can live a few days without reading your Bible, but you should. What happens if you don't read your Bible? Do you go to hell? The answer is no. But what should happen? You should get hungry. Yeah. Haven't eaten the Bible in a few days. Got the munchies. Just need to get alone with my Bible, some worship music. I said, come on, I'm hungry for God. He says, not only is the Bible like bread, he says, it's, it's beyond bread even. It's, it's like water. It goes on, it says in Job, I love this passage. Actually, water is, uh, Ephesians 5, it says in verse 26, that God washes us. How do you get the sewage out of your life? How do you get the sewage out of your mind? I want to let you know it's by reading this book, inviting God's thoughts into your mind. How do you do that? It says in Ephesians 5, 26, that God washes us with the water of his words. You know, I learned about water. You only live about three to five days without water. It's crazy. 40 to 80 days without food, only three to five days without water. But God will go a step further and say that not only is my word like bread, like water, it's like, it's like breath. It's like breath. Job says it this way. In Job, uh, it goes on and says in Job 33 verse 4, he says, the spirit of the Lord has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. What does it say in Genesis? That God breathed the breath of life. What does it say in Ezekiel 37? It says that God said, speak to the bones. And when he did, he breathes the breath of God into the bones. Listen to me. God's word gives his breath. And his breath always carries life. You can live 40 to 80 days without food. You can live three to five days without water, but you can only live minutes without his breath. You know what I think is happening today? I think we have a bunch of toxins in Orange County because we have a bunch of malnutrition, a bunch of spiritually dehydrated, and we have a bunch of people that are suffocating to death because they've never welcomed the, the spirit then the breath of God into their life. Preaching better than you're responding. It's all right. I know God's doing something. I don't preach to faces. I preach to hearts. And you can deny me out here, but I'm telling you that God is doing something inside of you today. You know what you want? You want clean water. And you know what's going to make you happy? Not just having clean water, being able to offer people clean water. We live in an era that everyone wants to do good works, but the problem is we do good, but we live bad. You know, there's nothing more damaging than saying the right things than living the wrong way. There's nothing more powerful than when you say the right things and you still set the right example. Good, hydrated people hydrate other people that are good. And I want you to know prophetically that this is a word for our church, that we are going to be a community that welcomes God to make, give us a new bowl, new style. Music's a little louder than you prefer. All right. Pastor dresses with his wife's jeans. That's fine. But you know what? The Spirit of God is in that church. There's something in that. There's, there's something. There's some salt in that bowl. I don't know why, but when I leave that bowl, there's something in that atmosphere that starts to actually clean my life. I want you to know, if you go to a church for two or three years, 
and there's no change in your life, it's probably time to go to a new church. Healthy churches are churches that we go to become more like God. Can I get a good amen? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.